Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Atomic Skull Podcast. My name is Matt, and I want you to know that I am out here for you guys. This whole shit show, this isn't about me. This is about you. I am here to educate and entertain, to infotain, if you will. My purpose is to spend my time, effort, and energy maximizing your infotaining experience so that hopefully, even in a small way, you all become a little bit better people by the time each episode is over. And no, no, don't thank me. Venmoing me coffee money at Atomic Skull Podcast is thanks enough. But it is to that end that I, in purely accidental fashion, a true slip of the thumb on my remote control, somehow I made my way to the after hours section of the Showtime app, which by the way is one item on a long list of apps that I do not pay for. And I thought to myself, oh no, I need to get out of this category immediately. While scrolling down to find the exit button, I started unintentionally perusing the find selections that were in front of me on the screen, and I found a title that I just couldn't bring myself to pass up. And God forgive me, I made the difficult but necessary decision to watch this feature film for the sole and singular purpose of giving you, my cherished and beloved listeners, a thorough and comprehensive review that you did not ask for of the art and the evolution of the simulated intercourse skin flick in the year 2023. I know that there are other podcasts out there where the hosts are just watching porn to watch porn, but that's not the kind of branding I want to be associated with this program. I take that extra step. I go to 11. I go one louder. I'm doing the research. I'm looking at the tits intently for you. The name of of the movie that I watched was called Naughty Nashville. It is the pants warming story about an aspiring country singer songwriter with obnoxiously huge fake jugs that moves to Nashville where she meets other women with obnoxiously huge fake jugs as well as a statistically weird amount of men with ponytails for it being Tennessee in hopes of making it as a country star. As the story unfolds this aspiring musician somehow happens to score a number one song with the help of an aging music producer with hoops through his nipples and not one iota of body hair the quintessential aesthetic of the male country music artiste am i right it made me think a lot of A Star Is Born because it reminded me that Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper Definitely fucked while they were filming that movie. I'm not sure if I've mentioned that before, but back to Naughty Nashville. I think the Showtime website put it best when they quoted that the runtime for this movie is 78 minutes. The most entertaining part, by the way, is that there were constant mentions of how amazing this number one song that was written was and how it was taking the country world by storm. But somehow we never got to hear that song at all. Imagine that. In fact, one of the other little tidbits for you about the movie that I loved, several people were holding and touching 
multiple guitars throughout the movie, but not one single note was played. Also, the only time someone was wearing a cowboy hat was when they were wearing nothing else, which made me think of what had to have happened in that situation. The guy had to take off his clothes and then put on the cowboy hat, right? Perfection. The chef's kiss of the whole picture was during every sex scene. At least one of the people participating was wearing cowboy boots. I can't tell you how many sexual partners I've had to say this to, but the cowboy boots stay on during sex. Having that idea both validated and fortified while watching this cinematic masterpiece made me almost want to actually pay my own money for this app. And in case you've been losing sleep over it, I want to reassure everyone that the acting in 2023 Titty Picks is still as bad as you remember. There is this wonderful, sumptuous scene right at the beginning of the movie where the star of the flick is headed to bed alone. Nobody is with her, it's just her. But not before she slowly takes her top off and massages her huge fake boobies for almost two full minutes. And you are goddamn right I rewinded it just to make sure that I got the time frame correct. This is the kind of hard-hitting analysis that you're not going to get listening to other podcasts about titties. And then she just goes to sleep. <laughs> That's it. She just rubs, rubs, her, rubs her tits and then goes to sleep. Ladies, AtomicSkullPodcast at gmail.com. When is the last time you spent two full minutes massaging your huge fake titties right before bed for no reason whatsoever? The sex scenes were badly simulated. There's no way that anyone who has even a passing knowledge of basic human anatomy would believe anything that is going on is authentic. Dicks were closer to belly buttons than any actual functioning holes. And I hate to call out the dudes specifically here, but the orgasms that the fellas had in the scenes, I'm not sure any of the guys who were in the scenes have ever actually had an orgasm in their entire fuck, they sounded more like they were trying to lift a car off a dying moose. Like maybe when I was 14 and I didn't know how anything worked, watching this shit maybe could have been passable. But right now, especially with my current gig, I am pretty steeped in legitimate adult movies, which I will be taking a deep dive into during a very special episode later this year. So I suppose... I'm much harder to impress in that particular regard, but nevertheless, I am going to give this movie two out of five collagen lip injections and label it a must-watch. I can guarantee it will get you in the mood to cancel your Showtime subscription. I do have a little bit of housekeeping I want to knock out before I move into a few things that I have for this week. First there are a couple of corrections that I have to make for some things that I've said over the last episode or two that were... So we're going to say that they were comedically accurate, but they weren't factually accurate. By the way, don't ever be afraid to reach out to tell me if something that I'm saying is 
any kind of off base or even if you disagree, as long as you're not an asshole about it, it lets me know that you're listening and engaged and all that jazz. I very rarely fact check myself when it comes to like the names and dates of shit that I'm barfing out of my mouth on the fly. I do pride myself on knowing a lot of this useless shit, but I can't possibly be right about everything. Plus, I see being wrong as a learning experience, and getting the correct information and fixing it is how my brain stays sharp, you know what I mean? So, the first thing that I got a little bit right, but mostly wrong, was The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller coming out in the early mid-90s when it actually came out in the late mid-80s. The good news about that part is it gives me an opportunity to tell you guys yet another thing that wouldn't exist without Batman. And if you are looking for an insane off-the-rails YouTube video to watch so you can feel better about your own crazy asses, you are in luck. I am going to talk about an actress named Sean Young, who was in the original Dune back in the 80s. She was in Stripes with Bill Murray, No Way Out with Kevin Costner, and a few other movies that you've never heard of, including Firebirds with Nicolas Cage, which is basically top gun except with helicopters instead of planes but don't be fooled by my underselling of the flick firebirds is a pretty legit bad good movie i have this like movie barometer that i use to describe the quality of a movie it isn't like a rating system of any kind, but I use it as a way to try to explain to my more well-adjusted friends who have social lives how to approach particular movies to better understand the idea of them. Let me give you some examples. Actually, since we're on the subject, I think I can give you an example of the whole thing that I'm talking about using only Batman movies, you fucking haters. So the four classifications that I give for movies, when asked... Because I do try my damnedest to not be a total fucking blowhard about it. But the four classifications I give movies are good, 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 bad, bad, good, and bad, bad. Okay? An example of good, good is The Dark Knight, which is the vanguard of Batman movies. One of my favorite movies of all time. It is a legitimately well-made, well-written, well-acted, story-driven flick that isn't just good cinema, it's just a good fucking movie. And there is a difference between good cinema and a good movie. There's plenty of movies out there that are wonderfully fantastic, beautifully made pieces of art that I would rather have my balls pounded flat with a wooden hammer than to ever have to watch again. So The Dark Knight is a good movie that is actually good to watch. Hence, good, good. An example of good-bad would be The Dark Knight Rises, which was the direct sequel to The Dark Knight, also directed by Chris Nolan, still had Christian Bale as Batman, Gary Oldman as Commissioner Gordon, Michael Caine as Alfred Pennyworth, also had Tom Hardy as Bane, and Anne Hathaway as Catwoman. Well shot, well directed, well acted, but... The story was ragged, the new characters were underdeveloped, it was missing that intensity that the other two Nolan Batman movies had. It was a good movie, but kind of bad to watch, so good-bad. And then, moving to the other side of the gamut, a perfect example of bad-good is Batman Forever. It was cheesy, campy, over-the-top, made zero sense, no character development, but also 
Jim Carrey at the top of his game as the Riddler. Tommy Lee Jones was fucking great as Two-Face. Nicole Kidman as my high school crush, Dr. Chase Meridian. It was colorful, visually appealing, lovely to look at, and watching it was a good time. It had more of like a comic book oriented feel to it, which I thought was a lot of fun. It is a total popcorn movie, and there is nothing wrong with that at all. With the right mindset, watching a bad movie can still be enjoyable if it has redeeming qualities. So, bad, good. And then there is bad, bad, which is pure, unadulterated horseshit all the way around. It's a bad movie for a fucking reason, and it is a terrible movie for a fucking reason. The Batman example of that would be Batman and Robin, the direct sequel to Batman Forever. Joel Schumacher who directed both Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, turned the whole fucking idea of Batman into a hundred-minute gay joke. George Clooney was completely miscast as the third actor to play Batman in that particular series. Arnold Schwarzenegger played Mr. Freeze, delivering the worst cold base puns that would even make every New Balance shoe sporting blue jean wearing, Applebee's loving dad roll his eyes. You know, that you know, you're not going to put me in the cooler. That kind of awful shit. Uma Thurman played the horniest version of Poison Ivy I've ever seen. Her acting was straight out of a Showtime After Hours movie. There were nipples on the bat suit, a Batman branded credit card, if I'm not mistaken. And Elisa Silverstone was so bad at playing Batgirl, it literally made her never want to be in a movie again. It is bad, bad, like Leroy Brown. Anybody? Did anybody laugh at that? No? Nobody? All right, I digress. Let's get back on the rails. So Sean Young starred with Nicolas Cage in Firebirds, but the role Sean Young was most famous for was playing Lieutenant Lois Einhorn and, spoilers, Ray Finkel in Ace Ventura Pet Detective, which is one of the greatest comedies of the 90s. It is also one of the most horribly aged movies of all time. We are going to take a deeper dive into 90s movies in the coming weeks because there are a lot of flicks from back then that are not really as ethically sound as you would think they are. Actually, let's shoehorn the gold star question into that really quick because I have a very diverse group of people who listen to this shit show, a total motley crew if you will. Thank you very much. This week's gold star question. All right. What movie from maybe your childhood or your teenage years, let's call it your acne hood. What movie from your acne hood, when you look back on it, or if you've watched again more recently, did you realize aged terribly? Ace Ventura, for example, is a little bit transphobic, homophobic, misogynistic, and that's just the last 20 minutes. Blazing Saddles, one of the greatest comedies of all time, is damn near unwatchable in public with some of the shit that they say. You can do a YouTube rabbit hole just watching people of color reacting to watching Blazing Saddles for the first time, and it is fucking hysterical. Okay, reach out to me in all the usual ways Atomic Skull Podcast at gmail.com, Instagram at Atomic Skull Podcast, slide into them DMs, and give me your answers 
to the most terribly aged movie. The only caveat that I have is that it can't just be any old movie. It has to be something that you liked when you were younger because it gives it that extra oomph, okay? Now send me that answer and we'll talk about them next week. I can't wait for that. I promise I won't judge you, but I do reserve the right to give you a light roast. So back to the point that I was originally making about what gem we wouldn't have if it wasn't for Batman. When a sequel was announced to Tim Burton's first Batman film, word got out in Hollywood way back during casting and pre-production really, really early when the movie was being developed in, I think it was the early 90s, that Catwoman was going to be cast and that the character was going to play a pivotal role in the flick. Sean Young, who was originally cast in the first Batman movie but had to drop out, went on the old school Joan Rivers talk show. And this was in like 1990, maybe 91. You got to look it up, guys. And it is certifiably nuts. It is all over YouTube. Sean Young went on the Joan Rivers show unprovoked. She wasn't asked to read for the part. She wasn't even in contention for the role. She goes on the Joan Rivers show in a homemade Catwoman costume and stated her case in character as Catwoman. I guess like a version of the character that she developed on her own. She stated her case on national TV as to why she should be cast in the role of Catwoman. Go on YouTube and just search Sean Young Catwoman and After you watch the whole clip, keep in mind, my response to all of it is, I'll have what she's having. Without Batman, we would have never gotten that bonkers clip that brings me uncomfortable, cringy joy every time I watch it. Batman is truly the gift that keeps on giving. The second thing I need to fix is when I mentioned Say Anything a week or two ago, whenever the fuck I did it. I mentioned John Cusack and then mispronounced the name of his co-star, which I did have to look up. And when I put it in my notes, there is a rumor going around my office that I was on an edible and I put her name in my notes wrong and then read it wrong when I recorded the episode. My fault entirely. The name of the actress from Say Anything is Iona Sky. As the kids say, that one was my bad. But as I said before, Iona, my mistakes. While I'm at it, I want to do a quick postscript for something that I mentioned way, way, way further back. If you guys remember, I had a bit of fun with the Death Cab for Cutie and Postal Service co-headlining tour that is starting later this year, where I may have talked about how it would be the perfect show to catch up on those naps that you guys have been meaning to treat yourself to. That bit actually led to my first angry response from a listener, which I took a screenshot of and I hold very near and dear to the rotting hole in my chest that I still sometimes jokingly refer to as my heart. I could actually do a whole ass segment of ways that I have pissed people off with my musical hot takes. I once made a co-worker, and this is true, literally cry and walk out of his job because I was making fun of him, the band him, his infernal majesty him. I was making fun of him so much, which was his favorite band. He had gotten a little too big for his britches talking to me about music, and he said that if I didn't like that band, him, 
I must, and this is a quote, I must not understand music, end quote, because I wasn't a fan of that band. And that triggered a pretty intense defense mechanism out of me. I will admit now that I may have gone a little too hard on the kid, but also... Life is fucking cruel. I'm sure whatever his name is, he's been listening to Killing Loneliness on repeat for the last 20 years, crying into his pillow so hard that he doesn't even realize that him broke up in 2017. Any hoozle. The opening acts for the Death Cab for Cutie Postal Service Tour have been announced. And one of the openers for the show is fucking Iron and Wine, which, whew, if you have always wondered about what it would feel like to take a Xanax, but we're afraid of the side effects, just buy a ticket to this show. It might be a little more expensive than a Xanibar, but you wouldn't have to worry about any of the addictive properties. The tour starts in, I think, September. See if they have any of those VIP Tempur-Pedic packages left. I think they should just call it the ASMR tour. And if any of you guys are a little salty about that, you can direct all the hate mail up your butt and around the corner. So my beautiful wife and technically former girlfriend, Mrs. What's-Her-Name and I, just celebrated our third wedding anniversary, sort of. So we got married on February 29th, 2020. For anyone doing quick maths in their head, that means two things. First, we technically haven't actually celebrated our first anniversary yet. When we were planning the whole shindig and we saw that Leap Day was on a Saturday, there was no second choice. It was 100% going to happen that day. We booked the venue almost a year in advance and our wedding planner, who was named Jennifer Lopez, no bullshit. That was a riot for Mrs. What's-Her-Name because she fucking loves the movie The Wedding Planner, which stars Jennifer Lopez. Our wedding planner, who looked nothing like the Jennifer Lopez you're thinking of, would tell us every single time that we got together with her for like meetings about the whole thing that it was one of the most requested wedding dates she had ever seen and that we were so smart for booking it as early as we did. And then Seckenberg, for those of you still doing your maths, if we would have booked our wedding for literally one week later, we would have had to cancel it due to COVID shutdown. We got in at the buzzer with that one. The whole country literally shut down six days after our wedding. It was wild. So... For our anniversary this year, we drove a couple of hours out of town to a cabin and stayed a few nights there away from everyone and everything, and it was fucking glorious. It isn't that I don't like the beach. I like the beach just fine. My single favorite place in the whole world is the Cliff House by Ocean Beach in San Francisco. It is utterly majestic, and I have literally stared out into the ocean for hours on multiple occasions. But in the internet civil war, where for some reason all of us have to choose a side between a beach and a cabin, I am a total cabin boy. We also were not roughing it either. This was glamping at its finest. There was full power electricity, Wi-Fi, multiple TVs, a kitchen, a fireplace, running water, endless blankets, and it was snowing. I posted a few things on my stories on the Instagram at Atomic Skull Podcast. As always, please follow. I'm working on having more of an online presence. I just need to stop being so tired and or 
find a way to add six or seven more hours to every day. Both seem equally impossible. Aside from stopping in at a local steakhouse on the way to the cabin and getting the single most under-seasoned steak I have ever eaten in my life, we did not leave the property for like three full days. We were near a creek and a bunch of trails that I normally would have 100% explored, but because it was snowing most of the time we were there, and there was ice all around us, I skipped it. I've seen the internet, and if there is one thing it's taught me, it's that I would have fallen on my ass and into the creek, and somehow it would have been caught on video. It's the same reason I don't jump on a pogo stick, use a swing of any kind, move cakes from one surface or another in any capacity, or come within 10 feet of a fucking hoverboard. Matthew Kitson rule number 171. Bring the person to the cake. Do not bring the cake to the person. There was total silence up there, which I can do and I totally love, but my beautiful wife, Mrs. What's-Her-Name, absolutely cannot do the silence. So we had the TV on playing old movies in the background a lot of the time, which was just fine. CJ, you are going to want to earmuffs this part or skip ahead, or possibly a little bit of both, because I have to mention this. I am an old man these days that has had plenty of experience in the bourgeois. I'm not bragging. I've talked about this before. I am genuinely shocked anytime anyone puts their hand down my pants, even when Mrs. What's-Her-Name does it. And she bought the package. No pun. Woo! Got him. But even when she does it, there is at least a split second where I am wondering why she is putting her hand down my pants. And then it hits me and then we're all good. But the reason I'm bringing this up and making my mother-in-law uncomfortable is because I am an old man with a whole pile of good stories under my belt. But one thing that I have never done in my entire life, and I quote, was make sweet love down by the fire. I can confirm with you guys that a couple of days ago, that dusty cherry was finally popped. I just wish that someone else would have been involved. Hey-oh! Come on, you guys. It is officially March, and we are marching towards comedy here. Let's do best and worst of the week. With it being award season right now, you're going to need to get used to the fact that it's going to be brought up a lot during this segment in particular, at least through the rest of the month. This week's model is from the SAG Awards. That's the Screen Actors Guild Awards, where basically the actors vote for each other. Lots of the same winners as the Golden Globes, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and White Lotus pretty much took away the whole thing. Award shows are basically reworked reruns of previous award shows. The best of the week, though, for me, was Jenna Ortega and Aubrey Plaza presenting together, which was a moment that was brought to you by the dreams I have pretty much nightly. I looked it up, by the way, and while I am legally permitted to find Jenna Ortega attractive, I'm not sure if I am morally allowed to do it, so the jury's still out. And being a die-hard Parks and Rec fan, I am old school loving Aubrey Plaza. Her sense of humor and timing are 
a fucking sight to behold. Her dryness makes me wet. So the two of them presenting together was a little bit of heaven for me. They played it very self-aware. They were both very funny. It was definitely something that was rehearsed at length. And I thought it was great. They put a little extra energy into that. And I, I found it fantastic. Find that on YouTube as a cool down from the whole Catwoman thing that I mentioned earlier. For worst of the week, I am going to go old white guy on you here and talk about a few names that I hope that you have never heard before. The first one is Scott Adams. For those of you who don't know who Scott Adams is, he created the Dilbert comic strip, which is another name that I hope you've never heard of. So first, I want to tell you guys why it's the worst of the week. And then I want to talk about why I am really mad at Hassan Minaj, which is a name that I hope you have heard of, even though he's a total jerk, and I'll tell you why in a minute. Actually, I have a little bit of secondhand personal history with Scott Adams. I don't think he's from Northern California, but he spent a lot of his adult life there. He may still live there, but I refuse to fucking look it up to find out way, way back when he first started doing Dilbert, which is the comic strip that made him rich and famous, he worked with my grandmother. And either she told me or I'm completely making up that she was his direct boss. I also have a cousin who is good friends with one of his daughters. So she would go to his house quite often and knew him kind of well. Is that important to the story here? Not really. Does it add to the runtime of this episode? Most definitely. Will I edit it out? Probably. So this last week, this Scott Adams fella was talking on his YouTube podcast about how a poll conducted by one of those crazy right-wing groups that was released said that 53% of African-American people agree with the statement that, quote, it's okay to be white, end quote. And here is the part, you guys, where I get really nervous because this episode can be downloaded and what I'm saying can be isolated to make me sound like a racist turd. So if you hear anything clenching in the background during this portion of the show, it's very probably my beehole holding its breath until I get out of this episode alive. So... Adams, who had every opportunity to just not even bring this up, and then had every opportunity to stop talking about it, avoids both of those things and uses the results of that poll to dig himself a nice deep hole to bury his career in. So his response to the results of that poll is he called black people, quote, a hate group end quote, which is not good. And then again, when he had every opportunity to shut the fuck up, he advised white people to, quote, stay away from black people, end quote. And then when he still had every opportunity to shut the fuck up after that, he went into detail about how he purposely purchased a house in a neighborhood where there is, quote, a low black population, End quote. Since that happened, every single newspaper that is left, which is not a lot of them, have dropped his comic strip. And that is the end of that. And that is the end of him. Before I get to my one and only question that I have about what he said, 
I want to mention that the statement, quote, it's okay to be white, end quote, was created on 4chan, which consisted of only the most upstanding and top-tier members of our society. And then that phrase was co-opted by multiple white supremacist groups. So it has less to do about the idea of it being okay to be white and more to do about the statement of being okay to be white. If you want a pop culture comparison to that as a point of reference, it's kind of like when someone screams out, I'm the king of the world. Sure, it is fine if you feel like you are the king of the world, but anytime someone says that, I'm immediately thinking about Titanic. Less about the idea and more about the statement. Same shit. Now, the question that I have which I understand I may be asking live from my own little glass house, is why does this person need to have a podcast? Now, here's why I am pissed off at Hassan Minaj. I had a pretty fucking hysterical bit about this whole thing that I wrote last weekend right after it all came out in the press. I even have it time-stamped, goddammit. And then I saw... I think it was like Monday's episode of The Daily Show. They're changing hosts every week right now. And they're basically auditioning new hosts now that Trevor Noah is gone. This last week, Hassan Minaj, who I fucking love and I think is brilliant, hosted the show. And he talked about this whole thing and pretty much quoted word for fucking word the bit that I had already written down, which makes me feel great because my humor is on par with the writers of The Daily Show, but then makes me feel shitty because they're making a lot more money than I am for doing comedy. Technically, I am paying to be doing this right now. Find The Daily Show bit about Dilbert, and if you like it, that word for word was pretty much also my bit. And if you don't like it, Never mind, I'm just fucking with you. I do hope that Hassan gets the full-time gig hosting the show because his humor is fucking perfect for it, but I have a feeling it is going to end up going to someone with less Y chromosomes because the only three hosts of The Daily Show have all been dudes. Craig Kilborn, Jon Stewart, and Trevor Noah. So I think it's kind of high time for a bit of the changing of the guard there. For the record, that is complete conjecture based on the zero experience that I have being part of a team that chooses hosts for late night news parody shows. But what I do know for sure is that Samantha B is out there somewhere. That is all I'm saying. For me personally, whoever hosts the show that I love and have been watching literally since the first episode, the only criteria that I have for them is that they are funny and confident. If they're funny and confident, they will be successful. A quick thing from the Dildo Chronicles, you guys. I was off this week, so I don't have too much. But one thing that I learned was that a lot of people who do food delivery, you know, Postmates, Grubhub, DoorDash, refuse to deliver to the Dildo store. Like, they won't even meet you at the door to drop off the food. What kind of fucking bullshit is that? When I was told that, I didn't believe it until I saw it with my own eyes. Someone put in an order, and when they realized where they were bringing it, it got fucking canceled. Even if it makes you uncomfortable, you're still fucking making money. There are people working in the building that need to eat. 
what the fuck, man? The only thing that I was thinking is maybe the delivery driver assumes that it's a prank. But also, if you're getting paid, who fucking gives a shit? I am back at it with a full complement of hours. So next week, you can expect only the finest quality stories of people buying fake cocks. For Song of the Week, one thing that I have been trying my ass off to avoid is picking a song by my favorite band for no reason other than the fact that they are my favorite band. I'm sure I will do that down the line at some point, but right now, I don't want to do the easy thing just because it's the easy thing. However, this week is the celebration of the 50th anniversary of the release of objectively one of the greatest albums of all time, Dark Side of the Moon by my favorite band, Pink Floyd. Particularly when it comes to music, I don't use the term masterpiece very often, specifically when it comes to albums. Statistically, there aren't really a lot of masterpiece albums out there, but this is most definitely motherfucking one of them. Dark Side of the Moon was the reason that Billboard had to create the catalog albums list and separate it out from the standard top 100 selling albums because Dark Side was outselling a lot of the new albums, which I think had a lot to do with stoners forgetting where they put their hard copies and would have to buy them over and over and over again. And before you start thinking about how I only like Pink Floyd because of drugs, I didn't do my first illegal substance until I was 27. I'm definitely a late bloomer in that department, but I have been listening to Pink Floyd since I was a fetus. No bullshit. So I don't need drugs to love them. But once drugs were added to the mix, ooh buddy, that was definitely the secret sauce. And my song of the week this week is going to be from Dark Side of the Moon. Or, if you'd like, the Wizard of Oz soundtrack. Because if you start the album on the second roar of the MGM Lion from the Wizard of Oz DVD, the album lines up flawlessly in a weird way. Speaking of that, I want to mention, by the way, that I would definitely consider every song of the week to be sort of a companion piece to the corresponding episode. I'm sort of trying to be a musical sommelier for you guys, in a way. It's weird that I've never mentioned this before, but that part's on me. I absolutely recommend, after each episode is over, that you check out the song of the week. I often hide little inside jokes into the episode that only makes sense if you listen to the song of the week. Now, the hard part that I had was which song off the album do I choose? I will have you know that I had a long talk with some drugs about it, and I did threaten a few weeks ago that I was going to hit you guys with a song from my depression playlist, and I am a man of my word. So now is the time. While this song is inherently sad, it is also as beautiful as it is unique, and that's mostly why I want to include it. This week's song of the week is Great Gig in the Sky by Pink Floyd off of Dark Side of the Moon. While it has vocals, amazing vocals, by session singer Claire Torrey, it doesn't have any lyrics, which is one of the ways it is unique. When a song can evoke sadness or any emotion out of you without actual lyrics, that is a statement to how powerful music is. And this song 
in particular can cause a ton of misery and be beautiful. I've got a couple of X's that I would describe in exactly the same way. I do hope you give this one a listen. While you're at it, revisit the whole fucking album. It pairs well with a blunt the size of a turkey leg, and I'd love to talk to you guys about all of it. And that's my show for the week, you crazy maniacs. Oh, I haven't forgotten about last week's Gold Star question, by the way, you guys. Quite the opposite. I got more responses to that question than Nick Cannon's Got Kids, and I just need another week to process it, and I promise I will not mention Batman once. Please reach out to any nerd friends or people who love to laugh and tell them about the program. I am always looking for warm bodies. Of course, as always, a heartfelt thanks to everyone who's catching my voice out there. It is always appreciated. Do not forget to reach out to me and give me your part of this conversation. Answering the Gold Star question, talking about the song of the week, anything else that I mentioned in this episode or any episode, let me know if you were able to check out Naughty Nashville. It really is the dark side of the moon of bagged serial skin flicks. If you run across a news article or some other shit that you want me to talk about, I am always all ears. Send it my way and I'll see if I can throw some dick jokes on it. I will be back at you guys next week. Apologies to my mother-in-law and how are you doing? <laughs>